The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. Um, he's at Gabe Berge. You guys can check me out at Raven Sit Room. And uh, Gabe, you know, I don't know if you bought your defibrillator before this season started, but um, if you didn't, you really you really ought to order it on Amazon now because you're probably going to need it because this isn't this isn't stopping anytime soon. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's going to slow down, especially as we get into the end of the season where we're all these divisional games, five divisional games left. Um, you know, teams that are similarly fun, difficult, hard to watch as the Ravens. I, I don't know what to expect from a lot of teams in the NFL on a week in, week out basis. Uh, I think this is the season where it's expect the unexpected. And I mean, the Ravens came away with a win this week. It was very close. They really eked it out. Um, but, you know, win is a win. They're seven and three. That is basically at the top of the AFC right now. So they're in good position if they can, you know, play better down the stretch and play more consistent down the stretch. Yeah. And, you know, my, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about this in production before we got started here. But, you know, my biggest takeaway is that there's no takeaway from this game. You know, there are, we're, we're going to talk about some stuff that we saw. And, and I think that there are some things that we've been frustrated about all year long <laughs> tackling. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, this was a, this was a game on the road. You had a lot of guys that were out. If you were, I saw a tweet from somebody that was like just the litany of guys that weren't playing in this game. And it was like, if someone had told you in week one, all the guys that didn't play for the Ravens weren't going to play in this game and they were still going to win. Um, you'd be pretty surprised overall as a result of that. So you, you got to take the win. You got to, you got to be happy with it. But I, I, I don't think that, I don't think that what we saw in this game is going to be indicative of much of what we're going to see from game plan or approach, especially with all those divisional games you mentioned coming up down the stretch. Yeah, I think from like a, a play calling in game, I think that's definitely true. I do think they expected Lamar to play in this one. So I would imagine, you know, the game plan they had was was pretty similar, whether it was Huntley who ended up being the quarterback, obviously, or, or Lamar Jackson. I think they had some things in there, and, and I'll, we'll talk about it later in terms of offensive play design that was 
better. I think they had some things prepared that worked really well, just scheming some guys up, um, some well-designed screens in this one, for instance, we can talk about that. Um, but yeah, overall, like obviously from an execution standpoint, I, I don't think you can really take much away from this one. You know, having Huntley back there, you know, God bless him. He was put in a really tough spot. He had some moments of like really nice play. Like he had a, that third down scramble. Um, that was really a key way to extend a drive there. Um, you know, obviously at the end of the game hitting uh, Sammy Watkins for that on that deep play, that was obviously also a huge play. Um, basically the, what won the game for them. So, you know, you can't take away that from him, but there were so many moments where he, he just didn't, wasn't able to make the play um, in this one. And, and, you know, if Lamar was out there, I think this one might have been a laugher, honestly. Like, the, the Bears defense did not play very well. I mean, they, they had six sacks, but that, that's that's a lot on Huntley, I think, his inexperience back there. Um, I think the offensive line had some issues as well. You know, Makari back on his first game. Um, Villanueva, you know, I think Powers had a couple ugly reps in there too. So it was just, like, not a great overall day um, in the office for the offense, but... I, I do think there are things to, to look up to or look, hope for moving forward as, as, you know, there's some interesting things I think we can discuss. I, I was somewhat buoyed by the, the offensive lines off run offense. Um, and there were definitely some moments that there were some holes. Um, you know, there were the Latavius Murray had that kind of one big explosive run up the middle where basically there was just like a gigantic hole in the middle. The Ravens I thought ran outside zone to the left pretty effectively in this game. Um, I am still on the free Tyson train. I, there were plays where Latavius Murray basically could have just laid down in the backfield as soon as he got the ball and it wouldn't have made a difference because he's just, he, if he doesn't have a wide open hole to run through, he's not going to give you much. And, and Freeman's not going to give you, if, if the run isn't there, Freeman's not going to give you anything spectacular. But I thought from an offensive line perspective, there were some holes and, and there was some momentum there that there's something to build on and, and the Ravens haven't, I, they haven't been able to execute at that level on the offensive line running the ball very much this year. I don't, you know, it's hard to say without like Hicks and, you know, some of the injuries that, that the bears have had on defense, whether or not that was there. That being said at the tackle position from a pass blocking perspective, it, like the Andrew Villanueva experiment for all of my interests is all but over. Like as soon as they can get him out, I would gladly take him out of the game. He, he is, um, I think he's been fine as a run blocker in certain situations, but like two or three times a game, he has an explosively negative play to absolutely destroy drives. Um, and, and, and it's not working. And so I, I don't think the Ravens have a choice for the rest of 2021. Um, but I don't expect to see Villanueva on this team in 2022. Yeah. I think the way they structured his contract, they can get out from under it. Um, obviously you expect Ronnie Stanley to be back. Um, I don't know what that means for right tackle. Maybe that's a rookie. Maybe it's Jawan James if, if they can bring him back um, next year. Um, you know, obviously they, they took a, a chance on him and, you know, we'll see if that pays off. Um, speaking about James, that that is. So, um, you know, but this year, you know, he, he's there. Like you said, he's a left tackle. There's not going to be anybody else there, hopefully, because that would mean Villanueva got hurt. And I think that's an even worse situation than what they have now. Because, um, I, mean, it, I mean, maybe... Cedric Obui, he's mostly a, a right tackle though, so I, I I don't even know who would be the backup left tackle at this point. Probably Tyree Phillips. It's a terrifying thought. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with this offensive line. But I think one thing that I would take away from this is it kind of goes to show you just how much Lamar Jackson does back there and how much he mm -hmm. 
is able to escape pressure. Um, and, you know, at times, you know, when when Alec was on last week and we we're discussing it, there there's instances where Lamar Jackson invites pressure. He extends plays a little bit too long, um, but he also evades so much and is able to extend plays that shouldn't be extended. Um, you know, he's been if not the most, one of the most sacked quarterbacks, I would imagine if you combine Huntley and Jackson after this game, they probably are the most sacked quarterback for an NFL team um, this year. So that's obviously not a stat you want to have because, you know, sacks are drive killers very often. Um, you know, I think I think Jackson has been able to actually make up for a lot of those sacks because of what he can do. Um, not so much with Huntley. I think there was one drive where it was like three back-to-back-to-back sacks and just like they're like third and like 29 or something. That's not what you want to see, um, obviously. So it's definitely an issue moving forward. I agree with you. The run blocking was better in this one. Um, you know, there were some nice interior runs. Um, but there's, they ran some like interior zones, some duo. Um, like you said, there was like the outside zones that worked pretty well early on. So I think the run blocking can get there. Um, I, but I also agree that the running back is kind of just a meh position right now for the Ravens. They have guys who are going to get what's blocked for them. You know, Freeman has a little bit of wiggle. He can make a guy miss here and there. I don't think Murray is capable of making anyone miss at this point. Um, so they're, they're pretty much going to get what's blocked for them. Um, I don't know about Tyson Williams. You know, with, with, with Le'Veon Bell getting released, I think there was some talk about, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for Williams. Maybe it's Nate McCrary. We didn't see either one of them. So I don't know what it seemed like. He just kind of condensed it down into two players. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to be the way it ends up on the rest of the season, or if we, maybe we'll see Williams get another shot. Maybe we'll see McCrary. Honestly, don't know. I think Freeman ran hard in this one. I liked what he was able to do out of the backfield, catching the ball. Um, but, you know, over, overall, it's definitely not a position that I'm excited about for the Ravens this year. Yeah. You know, I'll take this moment to, draw out I think that there's a, a pretty extended debate amongst Ravens fans and you have decided which side at this point you are on as it relates to Greg Roman and which side you are not on as it relates to it I think that the I think the debate about this is not nuanced enough I think that for a lot of people it's either play call is the problem or execution is the problem um, and, and my issue with Greg Roman is actually the part in between I, I find that the preparation and the choices of where they're they're placing their talent and how they're maximizing it is the problem. So if Tyson Williams can't look, learn the entirety of the playbook, teach him 25% and put him in for those plays that in those 25% of the plays that he knows and use that explosiveness during those 25% of the time. Set up the game to use him in those situations to be able to be in a position for success. I thought the same thing happened in this game. We talked about this before we hopped on here as well, which is that there were moments where things were working for the Ravens, but what Greg Roman does is run that into the ground. He's not setting up the next play. He's not setting up his next thing. He is not. And, and Lamar Jackson, when you're talking about the sacks, is I think is a perfect example. The Ravens probably should be under center with a, this offensive line more than they are. They need to be a little bit less in the pistol. They need to allow them to use that play action a little bit more, uh, more as an option. They need to have more tight ends in there so they can chip on those sides. And they need to move the pocket around because Lamar is getting assaulted from every single direction all the time, constantly. We see none of these things. Now, to, that is not to say that Greg Roman can't make good play calls during games when they're leading up to that. But to me, it's the, it's the preparation 
and the execution of that game plan of setting up those things and attacking the things that you think defenses are going to give you instead of continuing to be this like we are going to be and we saw it in this game they're going to play tight to the wings right they're going to play in that pistol formation they're going to use ricard in motion across the center they're going to snap the ball as soon as ricard gets across the center and they're going to run it right at you and they're going to do it that way because that's how they've always done it and that's where they've had success and so to me, that's that's where the battle is for me about Greg Roman. It's like if they took that middle part and they just tweaked it a little bit, I think that the, the distance that that could take this offense would be significant with all of what we've already seen from Lamar and even what we saw from Lamar, from Huntley in this game. And so it's there. And if they can get the running game, they can get the running game action in there and they can be a little less stubborn and put Lamar under center a little bit more, chip guys a little bit more, use tight ends on the wings and then split those other guys out way out wide. I think there, I think there are opportunities there potentially for the Ravens to kind of build off of that. And, and so hopefully, you know, maybe that's what the Ravens are doing and we're, we're going to start to see some of that as we get into these divisional games. Yeah. And just to spend a little bit more time on this subject, because it's obviously been something that's been discussed a lot amongst Ravens fans, especially over the like past couple of weeks. Um, generally, I think that Greg Roman is one of the better offensive play designers um, in the NFL. I think what he does in terms of how he, you know, writes, draws up plays um, on paper, um, just getting guys into position, um, getting them easy catches at times, easy like running lanes, like whatever it is. I think he's very good at that. Um, I, I think obviously that then lends to the execution part. And is he putting the right players in the right positions to execute on those plays? I think that's a different question entirely. And also like the timing and sequencing and when he calls plays in certain positions, um, you know, we, I've harped forever on like the, like the first down runs. Um, it's always been, a run on first down. I think they've started to get away from that this year to the offense's betterment. Um, and then obviously the, the second and short, which we've also talked about extensively, always running it on second and short, never taking like a downfield shot. Um, those are things that, you know, they seem like they may be kind of minor, but I think it's like a, just a kind of a way to like put under the microscope what is wrong with Greg Roman? And, and it's kind of like just the mindset that he has of this is what I'm going to do in this situation. And he doesn't really go outside of his comfort zone. And, you know, one of the things you're talking about before was like being able to build off of plays and like they're getting some success on these like outside zone plays. Not only do they go away from it, they don't take advantage of that. They don't use the play action boot that, you know, something that we talked about, you know, in production, like you said, that they did in preseason with Tyler Hurley. It worked really well, but they, we didn't see that at all in this game. Um, and maybe that's because, you know, that's just like a, a play they hadn't really practiced for this week. It's not something we've really seen much of Lamar Jackson. So, uh, but I feel like it's something you could have inserted in there and, and used successfully. And I think in general that, you know, Roman doesn't really set up future plays by the plays that he puts out there. Um, he does it at times, it's, but it's pretty rare. Um, it's pretty rare. And, and it's something I think could definitely be improved upon. Um well, I think, and the, go ahead. You know, the, to me, the crazy part is the difference between a, a great offensive coordinator and a bad offensive coordinator is probably seven or eight play calls a game. The other 50 play calls are, I won't call them generic, but like are built into the system, are part of the NFL. I'm not saying anybody could do it, but nearly anybody could, anybody that has played an extensive amount of Madden could probably call a similar chunk of those 50 plays, right? It is those seven or eight critically big moments in big plays where things go right or wrong, where you are either putting guys in position to succeed or you aren't. 
And so, like, th th there's a lot more nuance, I think, to this debate in the bigger picture. I think Greg Roman does a great job with those other 50 plays. I just think that those other seven or eight are the, the make or break moments where the Ravens aren't getting it done and they aren't getting what they need from that. And so, you know, that I, I see frustration, especially in this game. This should have been, even with Huntley, and you talked a little bit about his execution not being ideal in this game, I still think that they, they the Ravens definitely felt like they left offense on – on the field in this game, you know, all things considered. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't just Huntley, you know, there's drop passes here and there. Um, he wasn't the most accurate at times. And and the Ravens got some offense from penalties. Like they were able to draw a couple of PIs, which, which, which was big plays in this game as well. Um, and kudos to, to Bateman for, for, you know, really kind of being a, a bit of a different, player out there because the Ravens I don't think had any PIs drawn before Bateman wasn't starting the lineup I think he's drawn like three or four now um so he's been a difference maker just having that big body who's able to like fight for um you know whether it's a jump ball or you know working back to the ball and and it's something that we haven't really seen with the other Ravens receivers and he's definitely a different type of receiver that they have downfield so he's been he's been huge um you didn't have the huge like box score in this one but those two PIs really set up a lot so um Real quick, before we kind of get into a few of the plays that I wanted to go into more detail on, uh, I wanted to brief, okay, maybe not briefly. We talked about the, the Greg Roman. Let's, let's talk about Wink Martindale really quick, because I thought that this was, you know, the defense does this weird thing where on a play-by-play -play basis, they get a lot of stops. They get a lot of, like, good, positive plays on defense, and then they have these huge, terrible plays that, like, let up so much. I think, obviously, it's partially related to like execution, blown assignments. This one wasn't blown assignments, maybe a little bit of tackling. But the reality is, Wink Martindale is putting too much stress on his defensive players. He's he's not a, putting them in position to succeed. He doesn't have the elite shutdown cornerbacks that you know he's had in years past, where you can let them play cover zero, and you know to get away with it because either they're blanketing their receiver or the the defensive you know pressure is getting to the quarterback and they're having to throw it away or take a sack or something it hasn't worked out that way at all this season they've been burned time and time again on cover zero it burned them again in this game it probably should have lost the game for them um it was one of the worst play calls i can imagine in that situation you're fourth and 11 you have a game on the line and you're calling a zero blitz three people in coverage on three receivers so many things can go wrong in that situation. So not only are you letting your, you know, you're making your corners ISO up on, on three wide receivers, but you're also calling a blitz that doesn't even get to the quarterback. He's not even affected by it. And it's just bailing. It's, it's putting your defense in a position where they're not going to have the ability to succeed. It's so frustrating. Two plays before the touchdown, he called the exact same play, exact same cover zero blitz. And it almost went for a touchdown. And he didn't learn his lesson. He did the exact same thing. He got lucky on that play. And then the exact same thing happened. To me, this is fireable. This, he should not be the Ravens defensive coordinator for the rest of the season. I'm over it. He keeps putting the players in bad positions. And, you, I mean, some of it is execution. Westry bit badly on that, you know, on that touchdown. But he's put in a situation where he's guarding the, you know, the sticks. Like, he, he's expecting to have to take away that that play and if he doesn't then he's going to give up an easy completion there underneath 
or he has to you know, play soft coverage and play and take up the deep route. And like, either way, he's in a terrible position and that's all on wink. Like you, it's inexcusable that he's making that, that play call there. And I, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over the, the wink kind of like whatever you want to call that, that aggressive play call. I mean, be aggressive, but don't be stupid. You know, well, two things. Jermaine did this game specifically. Chris Westry was clearly the guy they were going after from from the start. Like even on the the Justin Fields big pass to Mooney early in the game, they were going they were going after Westry deep on double moves. Like that was that was very obvious that that they thought they could beat him on that. That they thought they had a chance, and they were beating him on it, and they were continually beating on him, beating him on it. So it's one of those instances where like, I agree with you, like. Even if you want to leave Humphrey and the guys on the other side on an island, like maybe the guy that they've been going after all game, we ought to make an adjustment and put a guy over the top. Um, you know, for sure, like I did, I, I, it didn't make any sense. That being said, I think there are some bigger questions here about Wink in the broader picture. One, this team doesn't take great angles, doesn't run fit well, and yet they continue to play a ton of man which doesn't match itself up to that concept, right? So like you're giving up a lot of these massive plays because you all you do is play man. So maybe we play a little bit less man, wink, because we'll give up a few of these massive a few of a fewer a, a, a number of fewer of those massive plays if we do that. Also, Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon are two of the most effective pass rushers in the league this year. Both left the Ravens, were playing here together last year, and could not generate a pass rush in any way at all whatsoever. This is a team that has, has seen all kinds of problems, right? And like, yes, you got to tackle, you got to do your job, you can't overcommit, yada, yada, yada. But at some point, some of this has to be coached up, right? Like some of this has to be the system. Some of this has to be what they're asking these guys to do. And some of it has to be not just the players, right? Like Matt Judon did not go to become a 10 sack player, right? Out of nowhere. And, and Gakaway was a fantastic sack player before he came to Baltimore, right? So you have to ask yourself this question, right? Like if this defensive is falling apart like this and Wink is leaning into it in the wrong way, and we're seeing these guys that have left the team be successful. And quite frankly, you know, before Elliott left, Marcus Peters was the only honestly, truly significant loss that we were really seeing on this defense. That was before Williams went down, before Elliott went out. You know, LJ Fort is a loss, but he wasn't even ever going to be a starter, right? So, and you're seeing a lot of the same guys in the same system, and you're still seeing these problems. I don't know. Like, it, it, it begs the, it's really hard to say that's not the player's fault, but at the same time, there just seems like something isn't being baked up correctly in this process right now. And it's, it's kind of hard to defend Wink in that process. Yeah. And the pass rush thing is interesting because, you know, I was, I was watching the way that the Steelers rush their, rush their guys. Um, and they normally, they'll rush five a lot. Um, but they don't normally do like these huge, like six, seven man blitzes. Um, but what they do when they rush five is they, try to at least get one of their pass rushers and normally their best pass rushers isoed up. So they get, they get him like on a one-on-one situation where he is in a positive situation where he just has to beat his man and then he, he can get easy pressure. Um, I was watching the the new England game against Atlanta and that's exactly what they did for Matt Judon when he got a sack this week, they had, I think it was a five man pressure, but they had Judon coming from like a wide nine, like ISO on the right tackle. And he was able to beat him pretty easily and get the sack. Like, that's not something that we see the Ravens scheme up for their pass rushers very often. It's either kind of like an effort that they have to do. Like we've seen OA get a couple of sacks 
um, just like on his like speed and athleticism, being able to win on the edge. Um, he has, you know, they've done a few stunts up front and he's gotten a sack that way too. So I'm not saying they, they don't do anything scheme wise up front, but when you're bringing eight guys and you're not even, I mean, they got a hit on the quarterback it was a late hit, um, but it wasn't, it didn't affect the play at all. You know, Dalton was able to just kind of like take a step and like get the pass off easily to hit the wide open receiver for the touchdown. And what are you like? What are you doing if you're bringing the house and not getting to the quarterback? Like these these guys are just not you know rushing smartly, and and that and that's on the that's on the coordinator to figure out like how how are you sending so many players and not able to get the pressure on it? That that's like counterintuitive, and then all you're doing is putting your defenders out on islands and not getting the the quarterback affected. It's just the the two worst possible outcomes, and that, and it's happening. So. Maybe don't bring as many guys and maybe just do a better job of designing who's coming where. And I'm not saying that Wink can't design good pressures because I've seen it happen at times. But, like, it seems like for every good pressure design he schemes up, there's, like, three that are just, like, totally useless. And it's you feel like he's just bringing guys for the sake of bringing extra guys and they're not actually impacting the play. And that's that's really the kind of counterproductive. Uh, and, it, I don't know, it needs to be addressed. It needs, they need to figure that out. Well, this Ravens team can just, like, they do it the hard way. I think we've seen this now for the last two seasons. Like, they, they, I feel like they earn everything they get because they do it, they do everything in the incredibly the hard way, right? Like, and uh, two examples of it in today's game that we don't see enough of were the quick, like, lateral throws to Sammy Watkins. I think both were, like, on first downs, I think. But both were quick throws where there was off coverage, and Huntley just throws in the ball, and it's an easy seven, eight yards, right? And then all of a sudden, you're working with the sticks. Now you can do all this crazy stuff. You can you can do all this. You can do all those kind of things. The Ravens don't do nearly enough of that kind of stuff. Um, and, like, even in the Miami game, right, like, they, they could have been doing that consistently, just throwing it, like, right Im- immediately at the snap to the wide receiver. Those weren't the calls that were coming in, right? Like, that wasn't what we were seeing. And so – you know, maybe what what I hope, and we haven't seen this yet from the defense, but and we continue to see these huge plays happen. But really, what I want to see them continue to do on both sides of the ball is continue to simplify, like simplify, simplify, simplify. Run with tempo on offense. Use Lamar as your asset. Make it pretty basic. Keep the teams on the on the field. Run tempo. Run them right off the field. Make them tired. Get them worn out by the time we get to the fourth corner, and then run the ball down their throat to the end of the game. Right on defense, like rush four or five guys keep everything in front of you tackle average i'll take average tackle average and keep the plays in front of you don't give up these massively huge plays stay in a deep cover two over the top of it like we saw in the like well mahomes uh, the chiefs game is probably not a great example because they still got they still gave up a ton of they weren't able to tackle but keep everything in front of you tackle and just let the game revolve itself in that way right and like don't make it this all feel so hard and so forced and like put so much pressure on each individual one of these assignments and one of these guys and like you know like like you know maybe stop throwing screen passes to patrick ricard in the in the flat because that's probably like not like the best the, the best combination of guys right like why not be throwing those to mark andrews why not be throwing those to a wide receiver like just do the simple basic things and this team could go a really long way and so hopefully hopefully they start to see some of this stuff on tape and they realize that they they also have to simplify because they don't have the talent like when you're super talented you could be super complex and it's really effective but like this team is just like like from an offensive line perspective 
just across the board, this team is just not as talented as the one we saw in 2019, and, and, and they need to accept that. Yeah, and, and it does get back to the execution thing because when it's complicated and you have a really complex play design, it, it's harder to execute. Like the timing has to be just right. The players have to be completely all on the same page. And if one person is off, then that play is probably not going to work very well. But if you keep it simple, and like I think that's how some of like the running was effective in this game. And I think we can think back to some other games where the Ravens were able to really run the ball effectively. Um, it's when they kind of just simplified it, and and they didn't do all the complex, you know, movement up front. Um, they weren't doing like the, you know, the all of the, you know, power like options and things like that. And they just kind of like had it more like scripted out, um, where you just kind of follow your blocker instead instead of making it super complex, because those other plays weren't working very well. And I, I agree with you. I think some some playing makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there's a few other things on defense they can do better, like. I don't. I don't understand why they don't play more press with the with the corners they have. You know, they have long, like physical corners. Like, there's some plays that they just aren't in, like within like ten yards of the line of scrimmage. And like, I know there's some coverages that call for that, and you want to you know show some different things. But like, a lot of times they just don't end well. Like giving those free releases to receivers, uh, allowing them to get into their routes without getting knocked off it at all. It's just, it's counter productive i've used that word a few times and it, it just doesn't make sense i don't see why you're doing that you have you have guys you should put them in a better position um so yeah i i mean obviously there's a lot of things that can be improved um i do want to say one thing because i was looking at the stats and for all the issues we've complained about the defense going into this game the ravens were still the best third down defense in the nfl which i thought was not too surprising because I've noticed that they've been really good on third down. A lot of the explosive plays have happened not on third downs. Um, they just given up a lot of these huge plays. Um, but on like, as I was mentioning earlier on a down and down basis, they're actually pretty well when they can like keep them without giving up the explosive plays. They're actually, you know, stalling teams out pretty, pretty regularly. And in this game as well, they were two for 11, um, keeping the bears on third down. Um, but and then this they also is also a team that has not faced exceptional quarterbacks, right? Like the, the like That's if we're true. going to talk about, we're talking about the divisional schedule getting tough. Like the schedule has been pretty light overall coming into you know coming into the, where we are at this point in the season. You know, we got essentially Tua was the backup that came in. You get a combination of Fields and Dalton. Like Kirk Cousins is you know crumbles under pressure. Burrow has not been great this year. Herbert was, you know, good, but like I like like there's no confidence in Detroit, Denver, Indy's quarterback situation. And so, you know, yes, some of that is true, but I think some of that is also situational. They're going to get somewhat of a pass. So like, I mean, Baker's obviously banged up and and not I, I mean, they're lucky that the, the Ravens are lucky that Cleveland is falling apart. Shocker. Um, as they come into their kind of like th- three by two game where Cleveland gets two straight games against them, that they're they're just kind of like self imploding up to that point. So we're probably not and Ben's nothing. So we're, they're just not going to face great quarterbacks this year, and and that's okay. But like I don't know, the Ravens have been okay on third down, but I, this has not been a team that consistently gets off the field on third down. No, they've been elite in third down. They're holding their opponents to 30% conversion rate. That's what I'm saying. Like, they have been the best team in the NFL on third down stops. They just haven't been, the, a lot of the points they've given up haven't been on third downs. Or if they have been, they've been explosive plays that have gone for touchdowns. So it's. I would, that, that surprises me. I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. That just surprises me. But it also speaks to how terrible the offense has generally been in terms of being able to convert third downs the other way. 
Well, yeah, and the, I mean the Ravens have also been equally bad on, on, like you said, on offense. It's been barely. I think it's like they convert about thirty-three or thirty-five percent. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but um, but the defense has the Achilles heel has been the big plays, and and when you it doesn't matter if you get a stop on third down if you let a play go seventy-five yards and a touchdown. Like at the rate that they've been allowing, they've they were leading the league in explosive plays given up. I'm not sure if they still are. It wouldn't surprise me if they are because that's pretty much the only way teams are scoring on them. Frankly, they're, they're giving up two to three or more explosive plays every single game. Um, and that's how teams are, you know, putting up big points. We've seen a game in and came out like every single game. You can go back and look, these massive plays are giving up. Well, maybe but, they can, if they can clean up these big plays, then it would be fine. But like, you know, if they can clean up the big plays, it'd be fine. If they would have cleaned up the big plays, they would have beat Miami. I mean, if they, if yeah. it's not for the the fumble and then the ridiculous Albert Wilson 90 yeah. or however many yards that play was, you take those away and, and they would have won that game. So, um, I mean, you're right. It, and it is, it is certainly situational. It, it begs a lot of questions about kind of why things don't feel like they're not working and they've got to, the Ravens have got to figure they've got to do something differently for sure. Um, they definitely have to do something differently, but I mean, it's, it's there and you get into these divisional games and in some ways it feels like it's going to be harder, but in other ways I think it's going to be easier because you know, these teams, these games are going to be close. And at the end of the day, do you want Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger or Lamar Jackson when it comes down to it? And there's these, and Joe Burrow these upcoming five games. I mean, it, it's a no brainer to me, the guy that you want. And if you can keep, keep these games close, then, you know, they're going to have a chance. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely true. And you are right that the, the stretch down the end of these games are going to be more difficult. But they do kind of catch a break in terms of, you know, Ben Roethlisberger not being the quarterback he has been in the past. Ben Baker Mayfield not being healthy and having a pretty bad season. Um, I mean, Burrow has been up and down. He's He played pretty well the last time we played him. But, um, but then you have Rodgers and you have Stafford who've, you know, been pretty good this season for the most part you know Stafford's had his implosions but um it's, it's going to be a tough stretch and we'll see if that you know third down you know ability can keep up and if they can you know slow down those explosives then they'll be in better shape but that's really what they have to do they, if they can't cut down those explosive plays they're not going to get far whether it's as yeah. the rest of the season finishes or if they make it to the playoffs which I think they probably will but nothing's guaranteed at this point because it's so many divisional games um Anyway, I, I think I just want to highlight a few plays that caught my eye in this one. Um, Patrick Queen had a nice play, um, he, and not just this game. He's had, an, over the past several games, he's had built up a number of nice plays. And I think it gets back to what you were saying about simplifying, because they kind of took away that starting middle linebacker. He doesn't come off the field role and put him into a situation where he's in for their kind of their base nickel and he's in there for their base defense and then comes off in dime. Um, and he's playing the wheel now instead of the Mike linebacker position and having binds next to him has really been a big positive impact. Um, this play that, you know, he knifed through, got a tackle for loss, led to a missed field goal, kind of pushed the, the bears back a little bit, you know, it's just the kind of play that he's made. He made that kind of play. Was it, two weeks ago against the Vikings when he, when he blew up a Dalvin cook run, like he just is more confident in his reads. I think having binds next to him really does make a difference. Cause if you watch this play in particular, you see binds react um, and he kind of attacks the play. And then Patrick queen, like just shoots right past him and makes the play. It's almost like the inverse of a fullback, like 
plugging the hole and seeing like the running back like hit the hole. It's like the, that, but on defense. It's it's Bynes kind of leading it and like directing where Queen should go, and then Queen kind of like going in and making the play. Um, we've seen that a few times this year, and it's really nice to see. I think the dynamic between those two is great, and it's something that I'm looking forward to. You know, continue to be something that works well for this Ravens defense moving forward. He's looked super explosive. He's playing downhill. I, I mean, they, they and they have isolated the amount he's been targeted <clears throat> from a pass perspective as well. But he's just looked he's looked really good, and they've let him build on it. And I think it's going to continue to. He still looked good rushing the passer as well. Um, you could see the confidence coming back. I, you know, it's just been it's been really nice to see him kind of really set himself in and, and kind of get himself settled in from a defensive perspective. And, and honestly, Bynes has been, Bynes has been a guy that's just in the right place at the right time on the defensive side of the ball too. And I, I mean, to me, that's when, when I say the Ravens need to play a little bit more zone. It's just like, let these guys be in the right places at the right time, swarm to the ball, tackle that way. And I think they've got the guys that can be kind of successful from that perspective, you know, but you know, <clears throat> when I look at this game, I thought Rashad Bateman was a guy that, you know, you mentioned him earlier. I thought he just played exceptionally well. You know, you mentioned his ability to draw OPIs or DPIs um, in a way that hasn't been able to. And, and I think really what that has come down to is that Bateman is a guy that actually gets out in like he beats his receivers or he beat he beats the defenders in a way that forces them to do something about it once he kind of gets behind them. And he does it in high traffic areas. So Marquise Brown, for example is a high separation guy, right? Like if he's going to like, he's going to hit his break. And if he gets his break and he gets his guy kind of on his heels or whatever he needs, he's going to create all the separation. And there just isn't really this room for like grabbing or whatever that is. The nuance to how Rashad Bateman runs his routes and his like speed up and slow down ability in the middle of routes is I think exceptional. And that's where a lot of this ends up coming from because guys, Bateman's basically getting into his second gear while he's still in reach of some of these other guys. And they're reaching out, they're grabbing, they're attacking him, and he's kind of doing it in a little bit more of a condensed area than what you get from Hollywood. And I think the two of these guys together are going to be really dynamic as a wide receiver combination down the road, especially if the Ravens can clean up their offensive line play. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Bateman has impressed me so much as, as a rookie wide receiver um it's he's has that kind of immediate kind of route running ability or just nuances of his route running the way he can kind of like pace his routes the way he can kind of like gear down and gear up um obviously he's had some incredible catches like with the really fantastic hands um he's being used all over the field um all different routes like he's just so nfl ready and he adds such a dimension to this offense that we haven't frankly had ever maybe just in the ability of him not just to you know run all the routes but also attack all the different levels of the field like he's been a solid deep option as well as you know being a, a reliable intermediate and short um area cast pass catcher you know he had a really nice play that i liked in this one where it was like a delayed drag route basically um and he kind of just like took a second after the um the ball was snapped and then his cornerback was playing off and he just came on this underneath drag route picked up an easy you know i think 15 yards for the first down um it helped move the ravens into field goal position at the end of the first half and it was just a really kind of like savvy play call he was able to get yards after the catch um 
I, I really love that play. And I think, you know, having someone like that who can, you know, take the ball in his hands um, and make plays, but also, you know, the, the defender has to respect him too. They can't just like, you know, it, they have to respect his ability to run deep as well. He's such a well-rounded receiver. And it's just, it, I'm just, I'm excited like you are to, to see him, especially with someone like Hollywood who does compliment him really well. Um, it's just going to be great to watch them continue to grow together. And I am totally 1 million percent okay with blocking seven guys in pass protection and letting Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, and um, Rashad Bateman do their thing when they need, when the Ravens need it. Like, like, like I, I, we've, I've complained about this all year long and there have been some big plays out of empty, but like the Ravens are just playing with fire when they play with empty, especially with their tackles. And especially when they leave them on an Island, when they're good edge rushers, like we saw from queen today, like Quinn today, Quinn was just going to beat Macari and going to beat Villanueva when he wanted to, because he was the better, he was the better player. And that happens sometimes. And the Ravens continue to regularly let him get those guys one-on-one. And it just, I'll leave, I'll leave that aside. But if you can have seven guys essentially blocking in those situations and you have three really savvy re- receivers that could work really well together and still be effective in those situations, and I hope that the Ravens can find a way to con- continue to work them together. Andrews just played an all-around amazing game. I mean, he had all kinds of different routes where where he was super successful. I know that you really liked that screenplay to him. He had a sail route that he was wide open on. The Huntley, a better throw. Who knows how far that play would have gone on a better throw there. Um, you know, across the middle, they got him on the leak play. Um, apparently, Tony Romo thinks that Greg Roman invented leak, even though not in anywhere near the case. But, um, you know, Andrews played a phenomenal game as well. And the Ravens just have a really good set of receivers for when they need big passing situations. If they can actually get things blocked up for Lamar, um, it could be really dangerous down the stretch if the Ravens really commit to figuring out how to tighten up that kind of pass blocking protection in a way that's going to keep Lamar clean. Yeah, in this game, it looked like Andrews was open on basically every play. Like he, he... Whether that was just by design, I mean, partially like it was putting him in good play designs, but it was it was just a great way of utilizing him, um, using you know the tight end as that big bodied receiver that your you know your backup quarterback can really lean on. Um, and you know, obviously, the one drop he had um, ended up being an interception. It was, it was kind of unfortunate. I think I think if Huntley had been better in that like you know Romo called it out he said he should have thrown it two steps earlier when Andrews was wide open instead of waiting for it to be a contested like almost impossible catch to make um he's absolutely right like that I mean that, that's just one of those things with growing pains about having someone like Huntley out there but and there was another play earlier that he called out like Lamar easily would have hit him um on, on like I don't know if that was the same play you were mentioning but you, you could have it, you could think that's something that the Ravens will clearly have going forward with, with those three receivers. It's going to be really tough to cover them. Um, and, and I agree with you. You know, we've seen the Ravens on defense get beat repeatedly in, by three-man routes when they've done some of these coverages. So if you run the right route combos with those three guys who are capable of winning versus man, obviously, um, they're good savvy route runners who can attack zone as well. There's no reason why you can't get Lamar protected and get him an open receiver. Um, and th- that's something I think that we should definitely see more of moving forward. Um, you know, I-, I also think Devin DuVernay had a nice game in this one. It's, it's kind of going to go fly under the radar. But, you know, he stepped up as a third wide receiver. He's he's pretty much been in that role for most of this year. Um, and-, and he hasn't really touched the ball that much on offense. But 
you know, he had another big catch um, in the um, drive to to help you know win the game. Um, it was it was a, I thought also another nice play design when when the Ravens had trips to the right and they basically flooded the zone on the right with four receivers because they brought the running back out too. And this kind of nice double move for Duvernay, um, who slid right into that that empty spot in the zone there, and he was able to pick up like 20 yards. Um, he had another play that almost got to him um, when he was open, but the ball just went off his fingertips. Um, probably a better throwing ball would have easily been a first down there. But I think he's been a little better than what I expected. He's been more versatile in, in his route running and pass catching than what I expected um, going into the season. Um, I think he's still underutilized a little bit in terms of the ability to like, kind of be used in the backfield, be used in some gadget plays, but I'm glad that he's getting a look in the offense. Um, and I think he should continue to be someone who's manufactured touches and, and given an opportunity to make some plays with the ball in his hands. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> we talked a little bit earlier about how the running game had improved. And, and so when you were talking about Duvernay, I thought a little bit about his one drop that you just mentioned, or I, I don't know, it, it could have been a better throw, but he sh- I think he should have caught it. Made me think of Nick Boyle and the, the catch that he should have had. But it also made me think that maybe Nick Boyle being back is is a major turning point for this team. I mean, we, we, we talked specifically about the offensive line being better from a run blocking perspective than we've seen, I think, maybe all year, <laughs> um, you know, or, or for a very long time. And Nick Boyle being back is, is certainly shouldn't be an undercounted um, part of what that looks like. It certainly can be helpful on chips. Um, and on the edge and helping guys from like a pass blocking perspective as well. Um, really great to see him back. I mean, he needs to make that catch. The Ravens, I'll say this, the, the Ravens are going to have a game where they need guys like Boyle and DuVernay and Watkins to make some of those catches in traffic that aren't perfect, um, where they've got guys on them and they need to, they're, they're going to need to make those catches. Mark Andrews is going to need to make one of those catches. We've seen him be, have big drops in those moments. They're going to need those guys to come through on a couple of those maybe I won't call them circus catches, but focus catches where it's not ideal situations, especially with the way that Lamar throws the ball sometimes, um, where they're going to need those guys to step up in those moments and make big catches. Um, they're only going to need a couple of them, and I think that that's going to be all the difference. I mean, and, and even even going back to last year's Buffalo playoff game, the two huge drops by like J.K. Dobbins, for example, I think could have completely swung that game in its entirety. And so, I you know. It would, this would be my moment to say, hey, guys, like use this as an example to remember that like you still got to be able to focus in those moments. You got to be able to catch those balls. Yes, Boyle's coming back. Duvernay, Duvernay doesn't have as big of a role, whatever that looks like. But like those catches could be those catches would have been critical in this game. And I think they'd be they're going to be critical in, in a, a bigger game down the stretch somewhere, too. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen throughout the history of the NFL, you know, role players have to step up in, in big moments, especially, you know, in big games that where defenses are kind of focusing on taking away certain things. Like the guy who is the unexpected hero is often, you know, the most important player in certain situations. And I think the Ravens have a supporting cast of characters who have the ability to step up, whether it's DuVernay, whether it's, um, you know, James Roche, maybe he'll get an opportunity. Um, we saw Tylen Wallace out there running a couple of routes. Like, you know, who knows, maybe it'll be one of the, somebody that's completely unexpected. Um, you know, Tyler Wall- seen- Wallace had a rough special teams day today, though. <laughs> he had a that is rough true. That is true. special teams day. I mean, the the one punt was tough. Like the the one that bounced into the end zone, I think was tough, and it took a really it took a really hard bounce, and he just didn't quite see where it was. But then the other one where he caught it, where he was trying to make up for it, I think where he, 
he's had a good he's been solid on special teams but rough day for the guy yeah um not not his best outing um but you know he's a rookie i think sometimes you're gonna yeah, you're gonna have these sure. days it's, it's just for one sure. of those things um but yeah I, I, like sometimes it's like little plays too like we saw um devonta freeman you know mentioned devonta freeman um making some p- catches out of the bass back backfield in the passing game um there was a nice third down completion he got i thought it was a really well it was schemed up swing pass um where you had a couple of receivers you know clearing out some space for him and he was able to make the catch pick up the first down you know he had, a, he had another one um that picked up some nice yardage you know probably should have gotten out of bounds on it but regardless um you know he's someone that you know, mentioned him earlier he's not going to really do a lot for you he, but he you know he did have a nice play in this one where he made a guy miss um picked up the extra yardage like he can i think do a little bit for you in in the passing game i think he's going to probably turn into that guy who's out there in what would have been the jk dobbins role you know the person who's kind of like the most trusted most important kind of situation um back that the ravens have and you know it's good for him for you know you know, sticking through and, and finding a, a spot where he can actually help out a team. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm not, I won't say I'm excited with about him, but like, I think that he's continued to get better as the season has gone by. He's gotten more comfortable in the scheme. Um, and, and if he can be used a little bit out of the backfield, I think he can be something that's at least useful for the Ravens. I would love to see Dave McCrary get some of those looks. I, I mean, the speed, well, I'd love to see Tyson get the looks. I think that ship has sailed. But like that, the screen or the uh, motion pass that you were talking about, where they they basically had Freeman lined up out wide. They brought him back in. They motioned him back out. There are a couple of things about that. One, I wish the Ravens would use motion like that more often, which is identify like like using motion to identify the play. So the Ravens use motion super effectively to create imbalance in the running game and to create blocking angles that wouldn't otherwise exist. But they could also dummy motion before they use that motion to actually help their offense see what they're facing and take opportunities and examples away from that. That that one big play from Freeman happens because they basically know that they've got man-to-man coverage there um, and that Freeman's going to be able to beat his guy to the edge and it's it's an easy, quick throw and there's, there's going to be nobody there, right? I wish the Ravens would do a little bit more of that. I also wish that would be Nate McCrary. I mean, I think that in both of those instances on those passing plays, those are explosively beneficial plays for a guy from, from the guy that we saw, I think, in the preseason um, to be able to put in those situations. I wish the Ravens would find a way. I mean, even Duvernay in that instance is, I think, more explosive. Um, I think Williams is more explosive. Um, you know, I want to see Andrews get the looks that, um, you know, in a lot of instances where what we're seeing from, well, now that Boyle's back, seeing Boyle get those pass reception opportunities instead of Ricard, I think he's a, a better receiver in that regard. So I think the Ravens have some maneuverability within within those umbrellas, but I do wish they found a way to be a little bit more intentional like that because it's in some ways it's like, oh, we're doing this for Tyler Huntley, right? Like he's this rookie quarterback, or he's not a rookie, but like he's like this young quarterback. We need to simplify things. We need to do things. But like... Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, they do stuff like this all the time. Like Aaron Rodgers uses Devontae Adams in motion to identify whether they're in man or zone constantly and then abuses the heck out of it. It's like we don't it doesn't have to be a simplified system. It could be something, especially when you've got guys like Watkins, Bateman, Andrews, Brown, that can be ineffective in those roles to be to be able to use them a little bit better. So hopefully, you know, hopefully the Ravens continue to build on that motion. We start to see, you know, the RPOs are a good example of that where they've been really effective. 
think there are there are opportunities for the Ravens to be on the offensive side of the side of the ball really effective. Um, but you know, we we haven't talked about the defense very much, and you know, you mentioned how the the defense has gotten a bad name but been better. I also thought the edge guys played really well. I thought I thought yeah. OA and Bowser just had phenomenal games this week. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think um, Bowser really caught my eye in this one. Um, he obviously, he ended up with two sacks. He had uh, the sack that ended the game um, really intelligently. I thought didn't do anything to put extra like hurt on the quarterback because he could have done something stupid and being called for a unnecessary rough roughness or something like that. Um, and that would have been pretty bad for the Ravens. Um, so, you know, a good heads up play by him there. Obviously he had a really nice sack fumble earlier on. That was kind of a pivotal play. I thought early in the game um, when, when the bears were driving down the field to get that turnover early, which was huge. Um, and then he had another sack that got taken away by kind of a bogus um, holding call on Marlon Humphrey. Um, but that was an impressive play too, because he was actually coming, he was kind of like dropping off into a spy and then he, recognized that you know the quarterback was holding on to it and he really came in hard and leveled fields i think that's actually the play where fields probably got hurt initially um because bowser just clocked him um and it was it was a violent play he showed some impressive explosiveness and closing speed um but he really came to play in this one he's been you know, I, I said last week that Campbell has been the Ravens' most consistent defensive player, um, and I, I still stand by that. He didn't really have a huge game in this one, Clay's Campbell, um, in terms of his impact on, in the box score. I think he's he's pr- always like stalwart in terms of his run defense, um, but he didn't really do much as a pass rusher. But it, Bowser has also been, I think, very steady this year. Um, you know, he does a lot of different assignments. He's held his ground well in the run game. Um, obviously, he's one of the better coverage players Ravens have, especially from the linebacker position. And he's still doing a good job rushing the passer. So I think, you know, from what they were able to do and bring him back on the contract that got him, I think it's, he's been an excellent player for the Ravens this year. And Marlon Humphrey deserves some credit. He's, there have been a couple plays where he's been victimized this year, but by and large, Marlon Humphrey has just been phenomenal. And not just, not just in coverage. And he had a couple of nice pass breakups in this game. You know, he's, it seems like in a lot of big moments, he's he's the guy that coming up with some big plays. But his run defense support has been phenomenal. And his ability to tackle um, his form, all, you know, we haven't seen the fumbles this year. But, like, I mean, just all around, like, talk about, like, lunch pail defender. Like, he is wherever the Ravens need him to be, doing whatever he needs them to do. Um, and he's really stepped up. I think he's, I think he's quietly kind of, just had a really phenomenal season for this defense. Uh, yeah, I I don't know phenomenal is the word I would use just because I think he has been exposed a little bit in coverage, um, especially when he's been isolated in some of those tough positions we talked about earlier where, you know, Wink Martindale is kind of selling his, his, his cornerbacks out and not giving them very much support. Um, so he's been put in a lot of tough positions, but overall I, I do think he's had a great season. Like the turnovers haven't been there, but – just in terms of like doing a lot of different things, run defense, um, the ability just to kind of cover the most important receiver the other team has on most downs, I think has been, you know, it's, it's hard to really quantify that. Um, and he's just been consistent in day in and day out. So, you know, I, I do think he's done a good job. Um, 
Just I think imagine one, this defense without Marlon Humphrey. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, obviously they're already down. Like they're already down without Marcus Peters. Um, I think they missed Anthony Averett in this one. You know, Westry yeah, had some good moments, I think, um, but he got beat a lot as well. Kind of those double moves, like you said, they were attacking him. They got fortunate that the passers weren't always there, um, but um, he he definitely isn't someone that is probably ready for like that starting outside position. He needs to get his his sea legs <laughs> a little bit under him um, in terms of you know his ability to kind of or what he's biting on and and his recovery speed. Um, I and think he's coming lacking. back from injury too. You know, yeah, that's and his, true. And his defense as well. Yeah. So I think he played well last week um, when he was kind of forced into play um but this week he definitely struggled um it'll definitely hopefully anthony avery gets back in there he's been very solid i think for most of the season too um i mean i i don't know i the, the ravens have talent on defense I, i'm not going to take that away um from them i think they have obviously you know we mentioned the third down i think they've been pretty good at generating pressure this year um you know there's some they don't have the stacks but they've been i think that's probably why the third down rate is as good as it is because they have been putting you know pressure on quarterbacks not allowing them to have like wide open easy looks um you know a couple of plays in this game you know excluded um but in general that it's it's been solid and maybe some of those pressures will end up turning into the sacks as as they go down the rest of the season, you know, that would really help them out, I think, in the long run, because, um, they, you know, they have some talented guys up front between Bowser and Houston, who's been, I think, a, a great addition for them um, up front. And then obviously, um, OA as well. He's had a pretty strong rookie year, I think. So all, all three of those moving forward, I think, are going to have, you know, really important impact in how the Ravens season ends. Yeah, well, hopefully, like I said, before we started all this and got emotional about <laughs> what happened in this game and some of those situations and, and all of that, you know, there's not a whole lot. Again, this, this was a, a road game with, you know, everybody hurt, right? Averitt, Smith, Peters, Dobbins, Edwards, Lamar, you know, Stanley, you, you, you can rattle off the names that were, you know, not there. And there's a reason why this game was close. This team still pulled out the win. Hopefully, you know, there are good lessons to learn here. They're going into a really tough divisional stretch here now. I think they said it on the broadcast today. The Ravens don't play a team that's under 500 for the rest of the year. Um, you know, that it is what it's going to be. And hopefully Lamar can get healthy. And, you know, seven and seven and three is not bad. I, I, I really was really hoping to be more like eight and two or nine and one when they got to this point. Um, but, you know, with, with the demise of what Cleveland looks like with the Steelers kind of not being the same team that they've been, this is the Ravens could easily kind of get out of this situation and, and be in kind of one of those 11, 12 win scenarios still. And, and it wouldn't be terribly crazy. I mean, it, it'd be crazy in the, the aspect of like everything that's happened in the season and, and everything that we've seen from this Baltimore team so far. Um, but I think overall it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be too crazy. And then, you know, you get this team to the playoffs, you clean up a little bit of the offensive line play and, you know, you, you take away these big plays and all bets are off for where this team can go. Yeah. I, I definitely think that they have an upside as, as good as any team in the AFC. And I, I don't think either the AFC or NFC, I don't think there's really a clear cut. Like this team is like the best team in the league or the best team in the, in the conference. 
um, it's pretty open. And I think, you know, there's still almost half a season to be played, what, seven games left, six games for some teams. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a lot that's still to be decided. And, and we don't know who's going to end up being the one seed, the two seed. The Ravens could easily win the division. They could easily be the one seed. They could also be a team that struggles to make the, the wild card. Like it, that's just the way that the teams are bunched up and, and the way the schedule is going to break out for them. So it's, it's really just going to come down to how they play, um, you know, getting Lamar Jackson back. Hopefully I, I don't think his illness is going to be something that leaks into next week's game. Um, at least hopefully that's not the case. Um, you know, he, he's such an impactful player. Whenever he's out there, you're going to have a chance. Um, you know, the, the Browns are a tough opponent. They've, they've played the Ravens tight, I think. And some of the recent games, um, you know, some of them have been been blowouts going back against for both teams in both directions. So um, there's potential to, you know, have a, a really ugly game. But I think, you know, the Ravens, with what they have been able to do um, recently, especially in close games, I think they have the edge. Um, and I think they're going to have the edge in a lot of these games going down the down the with a division. So, I mean, the Steelers, they, they're a weird team. I, I don't, I don't think the Ravens should lose to the Steelers this year. Um, even though they try to, um, make things difficult against the Steelers always, but anyway, it, it there's still lots to be decided. That's, that's my point. Um, and we don't really know exactly how these games are being played out, obviously. So I, I think as, as long as they play their best ball, um, going down the stretch, then they're clearly a team that I, I think, a lot of teams are not going to want to see in the playoffs if, if they can get there. Yeah. And, and if you look at a lot of these other schedules for these teams down the stretch, it's brutal for everybody. You know, it's not just brutal for Baltimore. I mean, if you look at Pittsburgh schedule, it's Cincy, Baltimore, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. Like that, that, that is, that is not any fun for them. Um, I think the Bengals still have both of their, you know, they've got their Steelers games left on the schedule. So there's just a lot of, there is a lot of infighting um, that's going to happen in these games. And so the Ravens are going to have a shot and you know what? They got the X factor because they've got Lamar Jackson and there's, I don't think there's another, except <clears throat> maybe for Patrick Mahomes, there's not another guy in the AFC that I'm, I'm taking over Lamar Jackson in a close game at this point. So um, hopefully the Ravens keep this train rolling. I will, I will sign up for cardiac arrest every single week for the rest <laughs> of the year. If it means a win for the rest of the year. And, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll keep talking about Ravens wins. We'll get to the playoffs and, uh, see th- where things go from there. So, uh, thanks for tuning into the situation room. You guys can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Raven sit room. He's at Gabe Fergie. Uh, thanks for tuning in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.